Wow. Well, why do I say wow? Well, that really, the wow is for me because I started writing my thoughts on the stock market about seven years ago. And this is the start of my fourth session. I'm, I'm excited. And uh, this session is going to be about the P.E. ratio and how I use it in my metrics to determine whether or not I purchase a stock. I'm actually pretty pleased with myself that I actually wrote for that period of time and that I got it to this point. And originally, my intention was to write a book. And really not even a book. I just wanted to get the thoughts about how I buy and sell stocks down for my wife and kids in the event that I'll eventually leave this planet. And so that's why I really started it. And I wrote and I wrote and, and, and I, I finally thought I had so much that maybe I could turn it into a book. And, and then I realized, man, writing's hard. <laughs> I guess everybody thinks they can write, but you know, maybe I just can't write that well. It kind of like how I think when people sing, you know, some people think they can sing, but you know, they really can't. So can I really write? Can I? I don't know. I, I just need to be honest with myself. But about six years ago, after doing this, I finally got the courage to send some of it, about 50 pages to a non-family member who I respect and, and I knew she would be honest with me. Uh, I used to work with her and she's awesome and she's just a straight shooter. So I thought before I embarrassed myself with my family, I'll find a good critic and I've been embarrassed in front of her before. She's been on sales calls with me. <laughs> what my friend said to me was, when she read that, she goes, yeah, this is good, but you should think about doing an audio book once you're finished. Well, my first thought was, I'm not sure I'll ever finish because remember, I can't sing either. How interesting, still, that's an interesting thought. So a week or two later, I was on the golf course with my son and I mentioned to him that I'd sent some of my writings to this friend and I told him, that she suggested I do an audiobook. And my 29 year old son said, Dad, millennials don't read books, they listen to podcasts. Well, my lazy butt said to myself, This is awesome. I won't have to finish that dreaded book I've been pretending to write. Which is for a sidebar of what I hate about myself sometimes. I tell so many people what I'm doing, and then nothing year after year. How's that book going? You know? So am I learning? I got to be more humble and just shut the heck up. But when you retire to nothing, you, you try and try to find a self-worth. I mean, I just can't be walking around with as my wife's arm candy the rest of my life. Yeah. So here's the deal. If you've had enough patience to listen for the first three, and I know the quality isn't what it should be, I will tell you this, I'm trying to improve it. Uh, I actually have bought a little bit more equipment, another 20 bucks worth, I think it was. But anyway, I did that yesterday with my computer, actually my iPad from Amazon, sitting in my lazy board chair, and they're going to bring it to me. I did it yesterday by today. I've got, are you kidding me? I still don't know how Amazon does that. Just would like to see him make more money. With that said, the quality I hope will improve and my snorting and sneezing will hopefully be less. Uh, I say hope because there's always hope. Plus, more importantly, this stuff is so easy that if you were here at my house, I could spend an hour with you and you'd be off to the races. I know that because I've done that, maybe a little more than an hour, but I've done it with my sister, some close friends, and, and my son, and they've executed it and they've had great success. So I'll tell a couple life stories as we go along too, and hopefully pick up a nugget or two, but you know, it's fun for me to, to, to put life stories in it as well. So I hope you enjoy that. But let's talk about PE ratio. It's the second metric I look at. It's commonly it's called the price to earnings ratio. It's commonly called the PE ratio. The price to earnings ratio is a company stock divided by their earnings per share. 
I'll get back to that. But why do I look at that metric? Because it helps me understand if a stock is priced low, priced right, or priced too high. So how does it help? Well, it's the ratio for value in a company that measures its current share price relative to its per share earnings price, or EPS. The P-E ratio you'll hear is sometimes known as the price multiple, or the earnings multiple. In other words, P-E ratio, again, is the current stock price divided by their earnings per share. Now, I'm not trying to scare you because there is no math required by you or me or any of us. The P-E ratio can easily be found on any website that you put in your ticker and it'll show you right there what the P-E ratio is, along with a lot of other data. But there are several things that add value for me in this, and as I said, to determine whether a stock is underpriced or overpriced relative to the market. P-E ratios are used by investors and analysts to determine the relative value of a company's shares in an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. It can all be, also be used, uh, that a company uses against itself, so to speak, with its own historical record. So a company might one year have a different P-E ratio, obviously, than the next, and so on and so forth. So it's a P-E record, track record. Some would say that generally a high P-E ratio means that investors are anticipating higher growth in the future. I don't really view it that way totally. I feel that it may show that a stock is overpriced and they got too far, as they say, out over their skis. The EPS is slightly more nebulous figure. Uh, EPS is earnings per share, and again, it's part of the calculation to get P-E. It's calculated as a company's profit divided by their outstanding shares of its common stock. The resulting number serves as an indicator of the company's profitability. It's common for a company to report EPS that is adjusted for extraordinary items and potential share dilution. What that brings in the nebulous part of it. What that means to me is that they say adjusted for extraordinary items is that the accountants are not reporting raw numbers, therefore it becomes a bit nebulous. Now, forward earnings are the expected earnings for the upcoming year. Forward earnings are an estimate from the analysts. Do some searching on Yahoo and you should be able to find the forward earnings. An estimation of the company's future earnings, usually for the quarter or the year. Forward earnings are essentially what an analyst or a company thinks its profits will be, rather than what they actually are. Forward earnings are often used in conjunction with trailing earnings in making investment decisions. Trailing earnings are known but are less relevant because they're in the past, it already happened. But on the other hand, forward earnings are relevant, but it is unknown how accurate their estimation will prove to be. Remember, the stock market is always looking forward, and you'll hear, you'll hear the term priced into the market, or priced into the company's stock price. What they're saying is, is that news or news of a new product is already priced in to its current price. So because of that news, you shouldn't expect to see the stock rise. Okay, that's a lot of information, and, and, and it is complicated, and I could go a lot deeper, and I won't. I certainly don't want to get into analysis paralysis, but it is kind of hard to figure out how deep to go. But for the purpose of this and making it simple, which is my goal, I just want you to understand a little bit about it. Most importantly is how I use this to help me pick stocks. Also, I should probably state for the first time that I use all the metrics that I'll take you through in every one of my stock purchases. I may have already said this, but it's important for me to call it out if I haven't. I don't pick stocks. I pick my own but I don't pick your stocks. I don't give stock tips. I'll talk about stocks, but I'm trying to teach people the info to look at before you 
pull the trigger and buy a stock. So how do I use PE ratio in my analysis? Let me give a couple of examples. The S&P 500, which is Standard & Poor's 500, which is 500 stocks, average PE ratio at this time is 22. That means it's 22 times forward earnings when they combine all those companies together. I first look at the PE and then I look at it compared to other companies or and the same sector that it's sent. So let me take you through an example. Let's say you're interested in buying Coca-Cola stock. Okay, Coke uh, is on the dividend aristocrat list. It has a current PE of uh, 33 and with its stock price at $54 yesterday. So that would tell you that if the S&P 500 PE is 22 and Coke is at 33, Coke is high, higher price relative to the market. All right, okay, but how does it look compared to the consumer goods sector? The data I have right now is that the consumer goods sector's PE is about 29. And again, because the market's fluid, these numbers change all the time, but not usually drastically. So you could say then that Coke is overpriced as well to the consumer goods sector. So let's take a look at a key competitor to see how they look, compared, stacked up. Pepsi. Pepsi currently has a stock price of 131. So immediately you might think that Pepsi has a very high stock price compared to Coke at 54, and that Pepsi is overpriced currently. Not, not the truth, not, not how it works, really. Don't look at the stock price in that regards. In fact, the stock price is really hasn't become a worry for me in any of my investments. But this is exactly why I look at PE. Pepsi's PE is only 14, substantially under the S&P 500, which is 22, and uh, under consumer goods sector, which is 29, and Coke, which is 33. Okay, now with that simple metric, I may change my mind and buy Pepsi because it looks like a cheap stock to me comparatively. But as I said, conventional wisdom would tell you Coke's PE is higher because the analysts feel the growth will be there. So think of it this way. If the anticipation that Coke's future growth drives the stock price now to get a high PE now, what happens if Coke doesn't provide the expected growth? Coke stock's going to get hit. The market is always, quote unquote, pricing in future activity to the stock price now. One thing I found out is the market doesn't like uncertainty and they don't like to be disappointed. And if your growth doesn't match the current share price that it's going for, your stock's going down. Now, PEs can drive you crazy too when they simply don't make sense. First, and I guess obviously, some companies don't even have a PE ratio because they have no earnings. That they're losing money. Take Snapchat. Currently, they have a negative five PE. I see that and I move on. For me, I simply won't buy a company that doesn't make money. It is a big fundamental fat no for me. Now again, you may lose out on a big future win, but that's just not my investment strategy, Strategy, because remember, I'm a low-risk investor. Second thing that drives me crazy with PE ratios is that some companies get a hall pass on being overvalued. I'd give you an example of Amazon, which currently has a PE ratio of 75. So that's about three times greater than the market at 22. I listen to talking heads all day long about you know, buying companies that are out in front of their price with high EPs, high PEs, being uninvestable, except for Amazon. Somehow they get a hall pass. Now compared to Apple, I mean, Apple prints cash. It has more cash on hand than more companies, most companies are worth. I think the last I heard was that it was close to a trillion dollars. A uh, quarter of a trillion, I think it was. So what's the PE of Apple? 17, lower than the S&P 500. So I'd say Apple's undervalued at this point. 
Also, I read the other day that all of Amazon's profits since its inception don't add up to one quarter of profit at Apple. That's what I said, they print cash. 90 days of profit, that's incredible, compared to all of Amazon's profits since its inception. So am I trying to understand this the best I can, the best I can come up with, is that the analysts and investors alike are skeptical of Apple being able to continue to come up with the next big thing. And that analysts and investors believe that the upside for Amazon, Amazon is very bullish. Therefore, they justify the high P.E. ratio. But remember, Amazon has to continue its strong growth to justify their current price. Now, I stayed clear of Amazon for several years because of this. I felt that if their stock price came down to a level that would cause them to have a 17 P.E. say like Apple, it'd be an epic drop in price. And I just wasn't willing to take the chance at that time. And I got to say, this is an example of I've owned Amazon. I don't own them now. I, I do buy them, sell them on a strategy that I call pops and drops that we'll be talking about, you know, much later. But, you know, it's just an example of the P.E. ratio. So to recap at this point, the first is to pick a stock off the dividend aristocrat list. So we did for, you know, fun's sake. And we picked both Coke and Pepsi, both dividend aristocrats. Coke pays a dividend yield of 2.97% and Pepsi at 3%. So I'm okay with both those yields. Next is the P.E. ratio. Coke is 33, Pepsi's 14. Where would you be leaning at this point? For me, I would lean at Pepsi at this point because the PE leads me to believe it has more upside than Coke does. I feel Coke's PE gives me pause at this point. So let's take a look at a couple other stocks on the dividend aristocrat list. Let's take a look at Lowe's and Target. Both great companies, I'm sure you're familiar with both of them. Target today has a stock price of 84.21. I say today, yesterday's close. A PE of 15, which is feeling low, and a dividend of 3.2, which I'm okay with. Lowe's has a stock price of $93, a PE of 32, or over two times of Target, and a dividend of 2.3. So using the first two metrics, what do you think now? Well, with the S&P PE at 22, consumer goods at 29, Lowe's at 32 and Target at 15, at this point, my nudge is with Target. But wait, the next metric we look at is beta. What the heck is that? Well, that's the session that's coming up next, beta. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit and talk about retirement again a bit. Uh, Guess what? I, I retired with no passions. I think I've been very clear about saying it, my passion was to leave the company, be a retiree, and just stop working. They always say retire to something. I retired to the empty space of what I thought retirement would be. My thought was everything would be amazing as long as I put corporate America in my rearview mirror. It would just be great. You know what? It was. It was. It was amazing. It still is. I'm actually pretty good at it, doing nothing. But I slept late. Late for me is not that late. I golfed a lot. I drank more than my wife would have liked to have seen me do. And basically, I just did whatever I wanted. What I learned, though, is time can be the enemy, especially with you couple it with the time that you have left on Earth. Now, you know, you young folks, you know, look at that a lot different. But when you get to be my age, you go, okay, I have maybe this much time left. I better spend these next 10 years uh, purposefully. So what what do I want to do you know it, it, can I can I add value somewhere and that's what I'm trying to do this but 
you know, I've been family-centered and self-centered all my life. I've told many of the bosses, probably all of them, I'll do the best I can. And I'm going to tell you right now, I do it because I'm a family man, not a company man. I'd been to a couple of company paid pre-retirement sessions, and quite frankly, I really enjoyed the old guy that ran it. He must have been in his 80s. He was still going strong. He was informative. He was entertaining. He was just living life out loud. I was inspired, and I thought, you know, I'll have to manage this money carefully for it to last in the retirement. You know, and that's a pretty obvious statement. But he talked about IRAs and taxes and rollovers and cost basis and trusts and wills and really all things pertaining to retirement. It, it was really great. The basic thing I came away with from him, though, was stay healthy, make a plan to be happy. This old guy was an accomplished dancer. He traveled all over the country to dance. Just great stuff. Probably the best thing I liked about him, he even talked about doing it yourself, taking care of your own financial future. Music to my ears, because that's what I wanted to do. He said most people would not manage their own money and would retain a financial advisor. He told us how to, how to look for one, where to look for one, and where not to look for one. He told us to get, not to look, where not to look for one is as important or more important than where to look for one. He told us to get an accountant, a tax guy, a lawyer. All great advice, but I didn't do any of it. I just still thought I could do it on my own. So again, I retired in 2012, late 2012. January of 13, I started moving company stock from uh, my company, sold the stock and moved it to an IRA, started very small. I started slow and I stuck to the metrics. My motto was stick to the plan. Every time I didn't stick to the plan, it, it just didn't seem to work out for me. And it was just so much easier to stick to the plan and not have to think about it. So as I unfold these metrics for you and you develop your plan, hopefully some of this will help you. Just stick to it. Thanks for listening. The next session we'll be talking beta, B-E-T-A. It's very complicated and very important, but I will hopefully take the complication out of it and make it easy as the next and third metric that we're going to be using. God bless, and until next time.